start with the reading from Romans. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And now from John. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I've learnt from my father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. This is the word of the Lord. Morning, everyone. Okay. There we go. Now I've got some things here, which I'm going to place here in case any of you want one of them. I will explain later. Have you had a good week? Yeah? And are you feeling like celebrating today? Yeah, okay, good. Well, I thought I'd begin by uh, sharing my uh, reasons not to celebrate and to celebrate. So if you don't know me, I'm Tom. I lead the church here. And um, what I'm not celebrating is West Ham's start to the season. Now, I know I haven't mentioned them recently, but uh, um, they so far have played three matches. Goals scored, two. Goals conceded, ten. <laughs> But to be fair, this is, quite an unu- is not at all an unusual situation. In fact, a friend of mine once uh, bought me a mug, and I opened the box and, and saw in it the West Ham crest, and I, you know, a broad smile came on my face until I turned it round 
And on the back it said, please place at the bottom of the table. With friends like that, who needs enemies? He's a Chelsea fan, so I suppose it's typical. Anyway, I have great confidence they'll turn it around quickly. They're playing at home to Huddersfield tomorrow. And I know I'm confident because I've given my two tickets away to two Huddersfield fans free of charge. However, what I am celebrating today is this. That actually, this church is not like going to a football match. I hardly ever go home feeling depressed, so that's one difference. But actually, that's not really what I mean. It's that what we don't have here is a big crowd of spectators watching 22 people doing all the work. You might have heard that analogy. It's often used, especially about bigger churches. But it quite blatantly is not the case here. We've worked out that about 150 people are on one team or another making our services happen over the month. With so many others serving in other ways as well, across the life of the town and beyond, whether it's in explicitly Christian service or other forms of service that bless others. So many of us are serving here and beyond. And not only is this a mass participation church, but we're also different too. Just look around. Look how different we are, even at our nine o'clock service. Great diversity in age there, and there certainly is here. Different skills different personalities, different gifts, different experiences, different spiritualities, different life stages. And yet we all work together so lovingly and so effectively. And so today, we're celebrating the roles that we all play in making this church and ministry across the town happen. And I want to say a huge thank you on behalf of us all to us all. So I think it would be fitting just to give ourselves a round of applause. So let's do that. This is a great church. Thank you, everyone. Now, what I want to do with the rest of the sermon, though, is build on what Claire spoke on last week. If you were there, you will know how powerful a sermon it was, really talking about following God's call as individuals and as a church. And I want to build on that this morning. And it's great that there are so many here using their gifts, serving. But still not all of us are. And actually serving is not an end in itself. It's the outcome that matters. And I want to focus us on that today. So as you can see on the screen, this is broadly speaking how I want to uh, head through the sermon. We've talked about what we're celebrating today. I'm going to unpack what the challenge for us is today. What are we called to? Why should we do it? And how we should do it if we truly want to be the church that God is calling us to be. So that's where we're heading. I'd just like to pray for us now that actually God would really bring this alive. Father, thank you that your spirit is present. And I just offer you this sermon, the rest of the service now. I pray that your spirit would come in power Anoint my words, touch every single person's heart and head as we grapple with what you're calling us to. Lord, would you melt away anything that resists? And would you put in us those seeds of hope and expectation, of faith, of belief, of joy, of strength, of comfort, Lord, this morning, would you raise up your people ready to walk into the purposes you have for us, for your glory, not for ours. 
Thank you, Father. Amen. So on with the sermon, and I chose the other passage from John, uh, really because of one verse, where Jesus summarizes his call on our lives. I'm sure you noticed it. It's verse 16. Jesus said this, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. That's what he's chosen us for. Are we doing it? That's the question we have to have in our mind as we think about this. And who does Jesus say it to? Well, yes, it was his disciples who were listening at the time, but from the way he's put it and from how he teaches elsewhere, I don't think there's any doubt that it's a message for all Christians. Everyone who would follow him. It's our purpose. It's our reason to live. Yes, to obey his commands, as he's already said in that passage, but beyond that, to bear fruit in the holiness of change in our own lives and in the impact we have on others. We're chosen to bear fruit. With an important caveat, though, which I really want to stress, which is that for some periods in our life, we're not called to serve. It may be health-related, age-related, or us simply needing a break, or just because God has other priorities for us at that particular time. It might be just to pray, It might be a time of restoration when we really need to look after ourselves before we step into whatever he calls us to do next. But in general terms, leaving those exceptions aside, the call to fruitfulness is for us all, which we do by using our gifts. Hence, Paul began his instructions in that Romans passage with these words, "By by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, in a letter written to all the Christians in Rome. And so when Paul says in verse 5 that we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others, he means all of us. And we belong to each other because when we don't use our gifts and skills, our time, our resources for the good of the kingdom, we all lose out. Something good or something profound or something beautiful or something comforting or something transformational that could have happened through us didn't happen. And so actually, we all carry a responsibility to each other to use our gifts. And equally, we all carry a responsibility to each other to encourage each other to use our gifts. That's the normal Christian life. That's life in all its fullness. That's the life Jesus calls us to that all of us, just as Paul urged his young protege Timothy, would fan into flame the gifts that we've been given. For we do all have gifts. Verse 6 tells us we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us, not just some of us, but some of us tragically, I suspect, think that we don't. We don't think we're gifted. That's why we hold back. And actually, I think the reasons we may think that actually, though, dissolve away when we apply a slightly broader definition to the word gifts. So that it includes abilities. For we, do we all have abilities? Of course we do. And do we all have skills? Of course. And do we all still have skills and abilities even if we're not extraordinarily brilliant at those things? Of course we do. So it's not just about gifts given in a sort of miraculous, supernatural way that cannot undoubtedly have been given to us in any way other than by God once we're a Christian. 
I want to say we should apply this right across the board to everything that our life, our professional skills, other skills and talents and abilities and experiences and put all that together and say, what of that could you use? And it's that that God's calling us to serve with, to use, to bless others. And it's interesting, isn't it, that in verse 3, Paul actually warns us not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. But for those of us who doubt whether we have gifts, we are actually thinking of ourselves less highly than we ought. Because we think if we're not absolutely fantastic at something, we've got nothing to give. And yet that so blatantly isn't the case. Which is obvious when we look at the gifts Paul actually goes on to talk about in the passage. Because some of those things he lists which is just a representative sample of all the gifts that we can use in the life of the church and beyond. Several of them are things, actually, that we can all do. He starts with prophecy, and to be fair, not all of us have that gift, though it's a very important one that we need to use. And leading and teaching are probably in a similar category, although many of us do actually lead and teach if we broaden the context to our workplace or our families. And indeed, not all of us can give lots if we focus particularly on financial giving, as we don't all have the resources to do so. But can we give in other ways? Of course we can. Time, creativity, energy, etc. And then what about the other gifts that Paul mentions? Can we all serve? Absolutely. Can we all encourage? Of course. Can we all show mercy? Yes, definitely. In other words, the talk of gifting in this passage is not meant to be a get-out clause. He's not saying, use your gifts as long as you're absolutely brilliant at them. He's simply saying, play to your strengths. But if you're not yet sure what they are, well, at least do the things that we can all do. Join a team, get stuck in, get praying, and especially get stuck in when a job really needs doing. But just as we do start to learn what we are good at and what we really enjoy doing, what we've got a flair for, what really fires us, well, when we do start to learn that, then, generally speaking, focus on them. I remember a close friend wisely advising me in my late 20s when I was involved in all sorts of stuff, too much stuff, really, and um, I was having trouble saying no to anything. He said to me this, Tom, there's loads of things you could do now but you need to do what only you can do. He didn't mean that literally. Of course, there will always be others who share our gifts in a church of any size. But he was saying this, do you have opportunities for fruitfulness that only you can take at this time because of the context you're in, because of the relationships you already have, or because of the gifts and experiences and abilities God has already given you and the capacity that you have right now? That's the unique calling in this moment. And there will be things like that for the vast majority of us, the vast majority of the time. As long as we ask him, as long as we ask others, and we keep our eyes open to what the special opportunities are around you, who really is open, who really is needing help, who really could we bless were we to call them this week? Were we to invite them over this week? Were we to send them a card this week? Were we to invite them round for dinner? And we know it in our hearts, don't we? Because people have done it to us before. 
It's those anointed moments that change everything for individuals. And it can be you. You can be new and do that. We can all do it. And that's what I've seen God do in my life as well. So we all need to keep asking God, is there anything you're calling me to? And keep asking others if they think your gifts or skills or opportunities for blessing are particular things. And when the answers come, we need to pray them in. And then we need to go for it. And here's an example of someone who's done exactly that. If we can have the next photo. Do you, do you know Stefan? Some of you do. Well, let me just tell you Stefan's story. I encouraged him to come to the Finding Our Place course that we did back in May. And he came on that. He really engaged with it. And over, the, over that course, what we did was went through various exercises trying to discern what God has done in our lives in the past where our spiritual journey has taken us. We try and discern what are the skills and talents and gifts that he's given us. We look at all the opportunities that are available here in this church and beyond. And then we pray, God, how could these things match in a way that would have the maximum impact for this church and this community? And over several conversations, over prayer, over, over Stefan uh, tentatively expressing an idea that could be pursued... I'm delighted to say that he is now the lead in every aspect of communications for St. Paul's. Thinking through everything from our news sheets to our website, uh, from our display boards to our social media. He's put together a strategy which um, is going to take us forward in so many amazing ways. And those who've, who've gone through that with him have been blown away. Now, Stefan comes with great experience from his previous life uh, and all that he did in his career there. But this is a sign of when one person invites God to speak, that we end up with that person feeling a sense of call and everyone else feeling a sense of rightness about that and excitement about that, that this can only be of God. He's found his place. What's yours? Challenging, isn't it? Well, those handouts that Stefan went through, they're here. Have a look at those afterwards if you haven't seen them already. All the different things that people in this church do, whether it's here on Sundays or during the week or whether it's outside in the town, not to mention the many other opportunities you might have to serve others as a Christian in a secular context and just think about the potential that can bring as well. But we need to remember, too, that what's right for us in one season may not be right in another. And that's fine, too. Change keeps us fresh, doesn't it? A new challenge can be a great thing. It's good to change stuff. It's good to have a break. It's good to get a new thing. But sometimes it's good to have a break or get some refreshment and then do something that we've done before with new energy and new passion. But here now is a really important point I want to make about all of this. That it's not just about what we do at church. I've hinted at that already. Now don't get me wrong, we're so grateful for all the people who do serve in all the things that we do here on Sunday and and, uh, during the week. But we need a far broader perspective on what fruitfulness actually looks like. Those words of Jesus again, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Because what he didn't add after that is when you're in church. It's anywhere. 
And it's just as much in the 95% of our time when we're not here as in the 5% of the time when we are. Like in our workplace, in our family, at the school gate, in our neighbourhood, in our friendship circles, even at the bus stop or at shops. Whenever we actually are mixing with people who don't necessarily share our faith, it's our front line. It's the place where we have the most impact for good, for the kingdom of God to grow, for us to make a difference. So we're starting an eight-week course in two weeks' time, two and a half weeks' time. We're doing it in our life groups, but we're starting at least another group as well. And within those existing groups, within that new group, we've got capacity for anyone here who wants to do that course to join us and do that course together. Here's a slide now. This is what it's called, and this is what it covers. Fruitfulness on the front line. Hopefully you can read that. It's really helping us to think about how we can make a difference in the places where we spend most of our time during the week. And it helps us to model godly character and think about how we do that, to work well, to minister grace and love, to mould culture, to be a mouthpiece for just and truth and justice, and to be a messenger for the gospel. A really practical course equipping us. It's got DVD uh, input, it's got a, a Bible study section, it's got great discussion questions, and it's got little take-home things we can do during the week. So can I ask, would you be willing to do this course with us from the end of September? It's eight weeks with a pause for half term. No commitment beyond that point. But just think, if the whole church can have thought through and prayed through and discussed what it would look like for us to bear the maximum fruit in the rest of our lives when we're not here on Sundays how much we'll have to celebrate when we gather again on Sundays. This course has been written. This course has been tried by many churches up and down the country already because it's tackling the fundamental area of weakness in the Christian church today, that we're too scared to share our faith, that we've lost our confidence, that we think being a Christian is about what we do on Sundays. And we've forgotten it's about mission the rest of the week. I really encourage you to do it. Just talk to me or Tish or one of the other staff members at church and we'll put you in a group. You'll love it. They'll love having you there. Why would you not want to do this at this time? So, what have we covered? We're nearing an end. We've explored what we're called to, to bear fruit by discovering and using our gifts And we've seen a reason to do so because Jesus and Paul command it for the sake of the kingdom in response to the love of the king. As Jesus said, and again in the John passage, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. We are completely and utterly loved by Jesus. Maybe we find that hard to believe, but it's true. Jesus told us, And he showed us by dying for us on the cross. And the best motivation for serving Jesus and taking forward the mission of Jesus is out of gratitude for his love. Not to earn it, but in response to it. And the best way to go on experiencing Jesus' love for us day by day is to obey him. To do what he tells us, both his commands in scripture 
but also his specific guidance and calling that he gives us when we listen regularly to him. Like we did in finding your place. Like we do when we have a quiet time where we're not just telling God what we want, but we spend some time with no agenda, simply listening to him. And when we invite others to listen to God for us, whether that's in prayer ministry towards the end of the service today or in another week, or just during the week, going for a walk with someone, just saying, can we talk about me? What do you think God might want to do in my life? I'm sure you've all got a friend who would do that with you. I will, so just give me a call. I'd love to go out for a walk. And ultimately, you know what? Here's another reason to do it. Because following the call of Jesus is the only thing that actually gives us true joy. Sure, there are many other things in this life which are enjoyable to a degree, especially in one of the wealthiest countries in the world, as we are. But it's only following the call of Jesus that gets us down here. The real deep sense of joy that comes from knowing we're walking the walk, talking the talk, making his pathway for us our own. Jesus' words again in verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And I want to raise one other particular opportunity to experience that in eight weeks' time here in this church. The evening service, November the 5th, it's a baptism and confirmation service. Jesus calls us to follow him. But if we've chosen to obey that call, he also calls us to declare our faith publicly. That's why everyone who became a Christian then got baptised straight away. And here in the Church of England, we do that too. But sometimes we take a while to get round to it. So I just want to say, if you follow Jesus, if you've never publicly declared your faith, why not come and be baptised if you haven't already and confirmed if you have here in that evening service with people from all over the deanery. The church will be full, I imagine. It's going to be a wonderful occasion. We've got great things lined up. The Bishop Joe will be here. She's a great preacher. But most of all, she will be praying for every candidate that they would be filled with the Spirit. And whenever someone as godly as her is willing to do that, that's an opportunity worth taking. Is this the time for you? to take that step. However long you've been a Christian, it doesn't matter. It brings glory to God if you're publicly saying, I choose to give the rest of my life to him. Okay, I've got one final question, which I will tackle very, very quickly. How do we do this? How should we follow God's call on our lives? Well, I want to put it like this. Jesus' command is clearly, love each other as I have loved you. So whatever you do for him, you should do it lovingly. That's a given. But I want to go further. Jesus said we're all appointed to bear fruit. Well, the way, if we're appointed, that we're to do it is by being anointed. A word which I often use just to mean allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us, to guide us, and to use us. Because without that, no fruit will actually ever come. Service of God is not ministry of God. And it's not ultimately fruitful service of God unless the Spirit is in it. Unless we're being led and empowered by Him. And that's true as much as if you're welcoming someone at the front door, as if you're in the kitchen, 
you're doing the children's work, you're preaching, you're playing in the band, whatever it might be, we need to be anointed. We need to be filled with the Spirit so that whatever conversation we have, whatever words that come out of our lips, whatever the facial expression is as we greet someone or, or help them in some way, it speaks of the Lord. They can see our love. The Spirit is giving us the words. They can see God in us. And when that happens, there's an encounter. But it's not so much an encounter with us. It's an encounter between them and the living God. That's what it means to serve him. That's what it means to be anointed. And the thing is, folks, that our default is not to operate like that. We do it in our own strength. We're content with simply fulfilling the obligations of the rota. But this isn't a... This isn't something about obligation. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. And this is a group of friends choosing to serve each other because our best friend Jesus died for us. Let me finish. In that Romans passage, it really challenged us. that whatever our gifts are, we need to put them into practice. And we need to exercise them in real faith. And to get there, we need first to need the, the humility to say, I'm not there now. We need to confess the sin of complacency, maybe a lack of discipline, maybe of going through the motions, maybe of asking for too little and expecting little, of not wholeheartedly seeking God's calling on our lives in case it's inconvenient or hard, of not actively encouraging others or seeking God's encouragement of ourselves, of comparing ourselves to those less ambitious than ourselves rather than than with those who seek the kingdom first above everything else, of ultimately wanting other things more than we want God. I find myself there time and time again I'm pretty sure we all do, if not all the time, much of the time. So I want to finish on a somewhat somber note, even though we celebrate today, by sharing a prophetic word that Tim Cross shared with me during the week. At his own admission, he very rarely receives prophetic words, so when he does, I think it's worth taking notice. He shared it with me. And I feel led to share it with us all. It happened to him twice that God laid some particular verses from Psalm 51 on his heart. And then he did it again the next day. When God does something twice, you know it's real. And these were the words that he particularly focused on. It's where David has just committed adultery with Bathsheba and murdered her husband an extreme form of wanting something else more than God. These were the words that he shared, first of all. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. And then later these words, and this was the line that 
We were scared of, to be honest. It's scary stuff. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. And here's the question. Could God do that to us as a church? Could he stop filling us with his spirit? Stop doing the miraculous? Stop blessing us because we don't want him enough? Not enough to pray sacrificially, consistently, boldly, to go to the prayer meetings, to regularly pray at home. Not enough to be honest about our failings or our fears. Not enough to really engage in the spiritual battle. Not enough to really give generously. Not enough to take the risk of sharing our faith. Not enough to get publicly confirmed. Not enough to attend a course helping us to share our faith. But here's the carrot. This is what we can then pray if we will say sorry. It's what David prayed later in that psalm. And God was faithful because this is what was fulfilled. David prayed prayed this. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors, transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth shall declare your praise. So what about you, St. Paul's? What about you, X? You, Y? What about me? Are you willing to start again? You don't have to have done everything wrong. You don't need to have done anything wrong at all. You just need to know that we've fallen short of God's great aspirations for us. That our hopes have been too small. Our God's been too small. Now we want to start over again. Be washed clean. Say sorry. Embrace his forgiveness. And seek his spirit. Not to leave us and leave this church, but to fill us and fill us afresh. To overflowing so that we would be a shining light on a hill that those around us in this community cannot help but be drawn towards. And when they come, they cannot help but stay. So I want to invite the band just to come up now. I want us all just to take a minute now just to silently reflect on where you're at and what you might be willing to do in response to the call this morning. So shall we stand and let's just close our eyes for a moment. I want to invite God now just to fill us with his spirit. Come Holy Spirit. You fill us here now. Fill every one of us. Touch us. Show us you are real. Show us that you love us. That you think so much of us. And 
you, Father. And now here are the two ways in which I want to invite you and encourage you strongly to respond. 